Hello, you're listening to the Co-Create Work podcast with Lakita Williams and Chloe Anderson. At Co-Create Work, we help leaders just like you build companies that change lives. Each week on this podcast, we talk all things leadership, personal development, well-being, lifestyle, and creating the capacity it takes to build a great company with more ease and alignment. Welcome to the Co-Create Work podcast. Hello, co-creators. Welcome to this week's episode of the Co-Create Work podcast. And I am absolutely thrilled because we have a guest today and our guest is Caroline Sumners. She is fabulous. She is actually my kiddos academic coach and she owns Empower Academic Coaching. And we are so excited to talk to her today. Yes, Lakita, so excited. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. As Lakita said, we're so excited to have Caroline with us. And Caroline Sumners is the CEO and founder of Empower Academic Coaching, where she and her team of former teachers help middle and high school students with customized strategies for learning and achieving their academic goals in a peaceful way. She also helps parents and family members step outside of the homework monitor role so they can build great relationships with their teens. I love this so much. I'm so excited. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. <laughs> I, I can't wait for this conversation. Yes, absolutely. Caroline, so happy to have you here. And in this series, listeners, we are kicking off just conversations around how do we build support systems to support us as leaders, founders, CEOs, and our companies. And there's a whole wide, you know, big life that we lead. And how can we get support for that? And so we thought it would be so wonderful to have Caroline on to talk about the different types of support that they offer at Empower Academic Coaching for folks who are caregivers and parents and also how we might think about support uh, and what we might add to our list of things that will help us. Um, we are really big on the podcast as we talk about community and we definitely in our home consider Caroline and Empower Academic Coaching part of our community. It's a huge, huge benefit for us. So welcome again, Caroline. Thank you. I love what you just said about community and I I'm always so grateful when a family like yours invites me to be part of your child's village. I consider it such an honor. Oh, thank you so much. I love You're that. so wonderful. <laughs> so we, I would love to just kick off, Caroline, with what made you start Empower Academic Coaching? Kind of where, what's your origin story for the business? I taught for seven years in middle and high school. And through that experience, I saw that in school, there is a lot of emphasis on what kids learn, but not necessarily how they learn. And I can remember a specific group of students in my last year of teaching that I'm forever grateful for because they first gave me this idea. What I noticed is this group of students was so capable, so insightful, so curious and yet it wasn't really showing up in their performance in the class. They didn't have great grades. I was feeling a little bit frustrated about that disconnect. So I got curious about what could be leading to it. And I discovered this concept called executive functioning skills. It sounds really businessy. It's all the skills we associate with being a great executive. Things like focus, planning, as we're discussing today, 
organization, self-monitoring. And those are truly skills. I know that that all of us here and all of the listeners who are entrepreneurs and leaders know that those are skills they've specifically had to develop. And yet a lot of times kids are just kind of expected to be able to do those things. You really have to be intentionally taught how to do them. So I invited this group of students to my homeroom before school would start on Mondays, and we would map out their whole week. I found this was a helpful place to start because middle schoolers will often take things day by day. So stretching it out to a week, we really started to think about if you have a science test on Friday, how can we work backwards Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to do some things that will set you up to be successful that day? And what I really liked about this process is it was all about helping them feel confident and empowered. Tutoring certainly has a place in the lives of many kids, but for me personally, I saw that when that's the only solution that's offered, it can be really discouraging to a child. They can associate it with a deficit of theirs and begin thinking, what's wrong with me? Why do I need a tutor and no one else in my class does, even if that's genuinely not the case? But coaching is starting from a really different place. It's very internally focused and very future-oriented. Tutoring answers the question of how can I get to the level that my teachers and my parents are expecting of me now? And it's reaching that external person's level of success, whereas coaching answers the question, what kind of learner do I want to become and how can I begin practicing that now? So I'm so grateful to that group of students for first creating that shift for me of of seeing them not as people that I'm there to help but really I'm there to bring out the best in them. And that's what I apply to my coaching practice. Oh, I love this so much. And it, what you described Caroline there feels so much like the co-creation process that we talk about and both people come into the situation with ideas around planning and what steps we might take together uh, and are both deeply involved. We talk about coaching on the podcast so much and we think coaching is so powerful and we often don't get access to it until we're adults and a limited number of adults get it. So for folks to engage with coaching at a very young age and be able to bring those skills uh, that they learn from a co-creation and coaching process, I think it's just fabulous. Thank you for your work. I'm curious for our listeners as well as like, this is sounds like such a powerful level of support for kids to have and for caregivers and parents, how do they usually identify this as an opportunity and really leverage the support that you offer at Empower Academic Coaching? That's a great question because I think sometimes families feel the pressure to wait until it's a big problem. But as entrepreneurs, we know that we have to be proactive about things in our businesses and work on things before it's an urgent problem. Same with athletes who get coaching. They don't get coaching once they start losing races or games. They know that from the beginning, you need that help to become the best version of your, of yourself. So for me, the one question that I ask families who approach and aren't quite sure if this is the right type of support is I ask, does your child want their learning experience to be different in some way? 
I don't prefer to use external markers like grades to determine if someone would benefit from the support, because honestly, a lot of students I work with have amazing grades. They have all of the external factors that would make it seem like school is easy for them or that they're having a good experience. But sometimes when I talk to them, they'll tell me, I'm so stressed out. I'm not even enjoying being a teenager right now. I don't have time to spend with my friends unless we're studying together. I don't have time to do the things that are important to me, like volunteer or do athletics. And so in that case, even though it doesn't look like they're having trouble and the school might not reach out to the family and say, hey, we're concerned about your child, the simple fact that that disconnect exists and that they envision a different type of learning experience from themselves indicates that coaching could be the right form of support for them. Yeah. And Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Caroline. (laughs) I just wanted to add also that I think parents can know that it's the right type of support for them when they realize that they're being expected to do it all by themselves, but they can't. It's very developmentally normal for teenagers to need some other caring adults in their lives besides their parents or grandparents and aunts and uncles. Those are amazing forms of support, but there's actually evidence to suggest that a a young person's mental health is really protected when they have a multitude of positive, caring, trusting relationships with other adults, people that they can go to for that guidance and support that they really need as a teenager. And so it's not a, a failure on your part to need this type of support. It's honestly a gift that you're giving to your child and to your whole family. Oh my goodness. I, I right? feel so emotional <laughs> over here. I just wanted to sub, just like start saying preach, like absolutely the level of like kids need so much support and parents and caregivers need so much support and creating a sense of community where we have these different inputs that can wrap around a child, wrap around a young person and just really provide them with what they need. And I'll speak to my personal experience in engaging in partnership with you, Caroline. It really feels like a partnership for our family. It has allowed me and our kiddo to be able to talk about different things besides just like, what are your grades right now? What are the next steps? Because I often feel really squeezed between family life and entrepreneurship and, you know, all the other things that it was just, it felt like sometimes a checklist for me. And so now our conversations are really elevated and we can bring in like, hey, what did you work on this week with your coach? What, you know, what are your priorities? Or um our kid will like, I could just proactively say like, hey, here's the things. And then Caroline and I worked on the list for next week. It, I mean, the level of just relief, I think that that gives me and also energy back is powerful. Like I, I can't overstate it. So everything that you described, yes. And I just wanted to add from my personal experience, how transformational it has been truly, truly. Thank you. That that means so much to me. I also, Caroline, as you were talking, I was just thinking about my own childhood and teenage years and all those things. And especially being like a true Gen Xer where it was 
a lot of independence, a lot of expectations, just manage your stuff. And in my brain, I think, and I don't have children, but I imagining like myself having that expectation of like, well, you, I figured it out. You can figure it out. And so that in my mind might keep some parents from seeking support. I'm curious when you are talking to parents or when you're having conversations, what sometimes keeps them from seeking support? What fears or blockers come up for them? I think one fear or blocker could be even if the parent feels ready um, or the caregiver feels ready to invite in the support, the student may not be there yet. And so sometimes when, when I'm speaking with a family, it's not quite the right time for coaching for that reason. I think the student really does need to uh, want this type of support. There's so many messages that they get, even, even if your family prioritizes asking for support, there's a lot of messages that they get at school about, you know, you should be able to do this on your own. Um, so like one of the things that I do with students is even help them learn how to talk to teachers. I know that sounds really simple, but sometimes kids genuinely don't know how to ask for support or they feel like they're bothering someone. I think that can be a big blocker to getting support is not wanting to make your problem other people's problems. This always breaks my heart when a student tells me uh, we'll, we'll be kind of brainstorming together how they can ask their teacher for help. And they'll say something like, I just feel so bad bothering my teacher about this. She has explained it to me so many times already. And I feel like I should just be able to get it by now. And although I'm talking about a really specific situation here, I think that that's something that can be applied to a lot of different situations where anyone is feeling a little resistance to getting support is thinking about what's really behind that. And is there a different way to solve the problem than just to continue to do what you've done before? I like giving that example to families because also if, if a student is having trouble you know, admitting that they want some support, having some examples of really tangible ways that it can help them like that can help them cross that barrier. And just, we also make sure that students know that our main concern is just helping them be satisfied with where they are and feel happy and successful. I don't, I don't have any pressure on them. I mean, you know, having a certain grade or going to a certain college or anything like that. I'm completely invested in where do they want to go and how can I help them get there? Yes. I love that. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, where was this when I was a kid? (laughs) Where where was this coaching? I also am curious as you are engaging in conversations with parents who are reaching out, is there anything that comes up or in general, like if parents are coming to you, they're kind of already there. I think Oftentimes they're already there, but if they're not, sometimes there is a fear that this may not work for them or their child, because often by the time someone comes to me, they have tried a lot of things already because this is pretty comprehensive support. I help students throughout their entire school year. So this is much different than a shorter term, uh, say tutoring 
um, type of support. It's much different from the child going in to get help from their teacher on an as needed basis. And I think that's where the power of it comes from is honestly the consistency, the gentle supportive accountability each week. And it's important to remember that kids spend a lot of time in school hearing things that don't always make them feel confident or empowered. I'm thinking particularly of my students with ADHD, for example. It's a fact that students with ADHD are exposed to thousands more negative messages in school than your typical student without. It makes sense when you think about it, if if they're struggling with focus or struggling with meeting deadlines, they're often going to be hearing things about that, about how they're not measuring up. And I don't think it's intended to make them feel bad or, or anything like that, but that is the result oftentimes. And so if this has been happening over, you know, many years, as is the case for my students who are high schoolers, then it makes sense that the process is going to take a little bit longer to peel back those layers and help them make the steps that are going to build that confidence and help them see the ways that they do have control over their learning experience. So that's something I try to be upfront with when I'm talking with families is there are some things you can expect to see in the first few weeks, first few months, but really what's powerful is when you really commit to this over several years. Right now, I um, it's been an emotional month because it's graduation month and the my business is five years old. So the very first students that I started working with when they were, you know, eighth graders, they're now graduating. And just seeing the complete transformation over that amount of time has been so cool to witness. And so that's what I would share with parents who are a little bit nervous about it not working is this is really a wonderful long-term investment to make if the short-term things haven't been bearing the fruit that you want. Man. And I hear in this piece, Caroline, so many analogies to leadership and entrepreneurship. (laughs) It's like accountability, planning, right? Like community empowerment. It is so powerful. And I think that this is like going through a process like this is helping folks. I'm like, these are future leaders, right? That will come in to the workplace or whatever they decide to do next with so many skills. And that is so, so powerful. I want to jump in. We've been talking a bit to, to folks about, okay, what does it look like to have a hot business summer and like planning your summer and getting ready? We think that support is a huge part of this. So why should academic support be on the list for parents and caregivers who are leaders and entrepreneurs as they're planning their hot business summer? So in your summer planning for leaders episode, you'll mention the importance of learning and development and how summer is a great time to do that. And investing in academic support for your child is communicating that you value this for your entire family. And it's taking advantage of that time and space that summer provides for kids. I think it pairs really well with what you talked about, how Entrepreneurs are more successful when they invest in learning and 
their own personal development. I think about myself starting as an entrepreneur. I obviously had no business background. This is all stuff I've had to learn through the process. And thank goodness I love learning because there's there's always something to learn in business. <laughs> always. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you know, I got into business because I love working with kids and I, I wanted to help kids. I didn't get into it because I understand um, cash flow and marketing and all of the things that go into running a really successful business. I think about how kids are often encouraged to develop these subject area expertise. You know, are you good at science? Do you like math? Like, what are you, you know, how are you doing in English? But when do they really get the opportunity to have that higher level type of thinking about how do I become a great learner? Much in the same way that if entrepreneurs learn how to run a great business, that that's going to help you in every component of your business. When students get the opportunity to become a great learner, then they no longer have to feel like they have to silo themselves into I'm a math person or I'm a literature person. They can really be just an adept learner and apply those skills to every area. That can be sometimes hard to do during the pressures of the school year. So I honestly think summer is a great time to dip your toe into the pool of getting some academic support. For example, at our company, we really take advantage of the fact that it's summer and I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be doing some math drills with you. That sounds atrocious <laughs> during the summer. <laughs> Let's instead, if if math is something that you want to improve your skill set in, there are really fun and engaging ways we can do that in ways that align with your child's interests rather than what the school requires. So maybe that is they're running a lemonade stand and we can practice the calculations they'll need for buying their supplies or creating a plan for how much, you know, money they'd like to make back. Or I had one student one summer who wanted to work on organization and planning. So this wasn't specifically tied to academics, but she came up with a list of everything she wanted to accomplish that summer. Fun things like I want to go to an amusement park with three of my friends, or I want to have a sleepover. I want to go camping. And through that, we were able to practice the skills that she can transfer to when she goes back to school. Okay. If I have a science test and an English paper due in the same week, how can I still make sure I have the time to get all of those things done? So I think summer is a great time to be able to practice those skills in a really relaxed and fun way. Yeah, this is so powerful because what you do so well, Carolina, at Empower Academic Coaching is to say, hey, we can partner with families and create a plan that's really tailored for your child and your teenager and help you to develop, you know, we work with them then directly to develop what that plan and looks like, what that structure looks like. And it just offers so much support then for, again, you as a parent to engage in the ways that are best suited and for you to have the partnership that you all offer in the ways that's best suited for you. And ultimately, this just creates a win-win-win situation for everyone that's involved. So it's such a powerful resource for leaders and entrepreneurs, all parents, all caregivers. But, you know, as we're co-create work and we, we mostly work with leaders, just 
really can't emphasize enough how important this support is. Um, You mentioned earlier about working with some of your clients who have ADHD. And one thing that I noticed about Empower Academic Coaching is that you have been so successful. This is a little bit of a turn in building a team that represents a lot of areas of difference. How have you prioritized that in your own leadership and what has made this important to you? I'm really glad that comes through in my business's messaging because it's honestly the thing that I've spent the most time, money, and energy on in my business and my own leadership development. I'm excited to share how I've personally grown and learned in this area, but I also want to acknowledge right now that I still consider myself really early on in this journey and I have lots of ways to grow. I make mistakes along the way that I learn from. Um, I don't think a diverse, equitable, and inclusive business is a destination, but rather it's a journey that you have to prioritize daily. So everything that I share here is really coming from a place of experience and not my expertise. For expertise, I have to give credit to all of the amazing people that I've worked with in a coaching capacity, learned from, read their books, listened to their podcasts, conversed with. To me, this is a topic where, you know, reading a few anti-racism books is just not going to cut it. Uh, It's got to be an ongoing commitment where you're learning in multiple ways. And that's what I've tried to do. One of the leaders that I credit the most with helping me develop my ideas about leading an equitable business is Trudy LeBron. She's the leader of the Institute for Equity Centered Coaching and the author of the Anti-Racist Business Book. And one thing she's taught me is how important it is to, when you're engaging in these important conversations, share the position you're entering a conversation from. So essentially your identities and your core values. So I think it's important here to note that I'm a white, gay, neurodivergent, cis woman, and that influences how I show up in the world and in my business. So some of those identities, like my race, confer unearned, unfair advantages to me. So it's my responsibility to not just go along with the status quo of what business tends to be, but actively use the privilege that I have to make the world a more equitable place for marginalized people. Some of my other identities are things where I have experienced discrimination and oppression. And so I have an opportunity to build a business that actively values people because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have to go into a room and figure out just based on how people are giving subtle clues. Is it safe for me to say that I have a wife? I know what it's like to feel like my expertise is discredited because I'm a woman and I don't want my team or my students or the families we work with to feel that way with us. I want them to feel like they can show up as their full selves and know that not only will they be included, but they'll be actively valued for who they are. And if I don't show you that I value who you are as a human your whole self, how could I possibly coach you or work with you? One of my business values is thoughtfulness. And this value has led me to include DEI as part of my business because without that thoughtfulness, you know, as I referenced earlier, it becomes really easy to just replicate the status quo. It has to be an ongoing 
reflection. And I'm a big believer that small businesses can still have big impacts. And I know that I wanted to create a business that was a force for good. And I also think it's just so important for our students and families to see a range of identities reflected in our staff because it builds a a sense of belonging and connection and safety. To me, helping a kid learn how to do math means nothing if I'm not also actively valuing all aspects of of their identity. Thank you so much, Caroline, for sharing that. We love the sharing of your business values. We talk about values and principles often and thoughtfulness. And that has so much to say around intention and intentionality. So thank you for sharing that and the steps that you have taken to be really actively involved in creating the type of business and workplace that is going to be transformational is going to change lives in order to do that we have to make these level of investments commitments and being intentional so really powerful the investment in learning I heard from you as well so as we have been talking to leaders over the past few episodes you know, I think the theme of investing in your learning and development this summer and now investing in the learning and development of your kiddo this summer as well is coming through so clearly. So make sure you do that now. Go back, develop that leadership plan uh, like we recommended in the earlier episode because it, it'll serve you so, so well. Thank you for your leadership in these areas, Caroline. Well, and yes, Caroline, thank you so much. And Lakita, as you were talking about that learning piece, I was just envisioning like how cool to spend the summer with you as the leader learning alongside your kiddo who's also learning and like modeling that learning is an ongoing process that we are always, always learning, right? There's always opportunities to learn more. So I just love that idea of like, yes, I'm, I'm a leader and I'm going to learn. And my kiddo is also going to be doing some learning and we're going to talk about it. And it's going to be so fun. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be so good. Uh, Caroline, we, when we think about support, sometimes we can feel limited and like, okay, what, you know, what would be on that list? Um, So it would be great, Caroline, as a leader and CEO, what are three areas where you are receiving support right now? I think first and foremost, I have to shout out my team for being such an amazing support system for me. I I currently have uh, five team members who are all also academic coaches as I am. And through the evolution of Empower over the past several years, we've had to all figure out what's our unique contribution that we make beyond the academic coaching part. So, for example, my team member Jess recently took on the role of COO for our company, which I'm thrilled about because she's so good at it. And the reason I knew she was the right person for that role is because She saw that. So my strength is strategy. And yet I was spending about 0% of my time on strategy. (laughs) I I think there's plenty of our listeners who probably relate to that deeply. (laughs) Yes, because it's when you're caught up in the day to day, it's really hard to prioritize that because that is not something that will have negative impacts if you don't invest in it today. It's just after many months of 
putting it on the back burner that you start to notice like, where are we going? Uh, it's like when you have Google maps pulled up, but you don't have a destination put in. Like that's how I started to feel. And I'm so grateful to have a team member like Jess who, who saw that happening and said like, what can we do so that you're able to spend time on your area of strength and we can all spend time in areas of our strength. So she is now handling many of the day-to-day operations of Empower so that I can focus more on strategy. And that's had such a huge impact, not just on the business and on the rest of the team, but also just my general happiness and, and feelings of um, I'm contributing in the way that I'm meant to contribute. I have my team members who are stepping up as ADHD specialist, marketing specialist. I'm handing off DEI co-coordinator to my team member, Tiffany, and Megan has taken over marketing. And I'm just so grateful to them for taking these things. I thought I had to do because I was the leader, but actually they are more equipped to do. And I think that's part of being a good leader is knowing like, it's not just about always supporting others, but allowing them to support you in the ways that they want to support. Speaking of, so my second way that I'm getting support right now is from my wife with our business finances, because as I stated earlier, I don't have a business background, but my wife has a finance background. That's her day job. And I was so hesitant to get her support at first because I really don't like mixing business with personal. I was kind of afraid that like cash flow would start to creep into date night. So what we did is we really created a boundary around that. I will actually like set up an appointment with her. We have specific goals that we talk about and those conversations only happen in those appointment times. So I'm so grateful to her support there. She's been great about really listening to me about specifically what I need in in regards to my learning about business finances. And then lastly, I would say I have been getting some great support from my friends. I recently moved to a new city and I mean, I'm experiencing the kind of love and community that I thought really only existed in the movies. Like they will really come by and drop off, you know, a freshly baked pie or ask if they can wow watch my dogs while we go out of town. They're helping me to like meet other people here. And that is a hard form of support sometimes for me to <laughs> accept, but I'm, I'm so grateful to, to my new friends here because they've really welcomed me as, as family. I love your mention of like friends and community, especially because with the pandemic and just how we've all evolved to kind of be in our own little spaces. I think getting back out into the community and finding that support and building those friendships is so important for all of our mental health, like collectively. And then also just from a support point of view, I think getting back to that. So I love that you have moved somewhere that has that. And I am now thinking like, how can I be a better community member on my little block? as well. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Uh, So Caroline, as we think about support and looking towards different types of support that 
leaders, entrepreneurs might be able to engage with, bring in, I love, as Chloe mentioned, the community piece. And we talked about academic coaching. As you look towards the future of what support might look like and services might look like, anything that's standing out to you right now or really resonating with you right now? I love that question because we had a conversation on my team recently about how we can make a choice to just live in the future already because it, it can be frustrating sometimes to, to see, you know, the educational landscape around us or the societal landscape around us and know that we still have so far to go. But if we can go ahead and live from a place of, what we want the future to look like, it's it's much more empowering. So I think for me, the future and the way that I try to live it today is approaching coaching with students from the assumption that education can be a force for freedom. It can be a place where people actually are healed from um, a lot of the just negative experiences that we go through, the negative messaging that we get about ourselves. So when I enter the coaching space with a student, I just really come to it with a a sense of awe and a sense of honor and an appreciation that the work that I'm doing there is actually creating the future. So we, we talked earlier about how the students of today are the leaders of tomorrow. And I know that when I'm speaking with them, I'm helping to like plant the seeds for the kind of future that I envision, you know, in a, in, I know I'm talking like in a nebulous fashion. So let me make it a little more tangible. Like one example I really see is students who have some form of neurodivergence or a disability. When I speak with them, I really come from a standpoint of this is a part of you that is um, it's not a negative thing. It also may not always feel like a positive thing. That's a, however you feel about it is okay. But the fact is that you deserve to access education in an equitable way. So let's figure out how we can do that together. And that is something that I'm looking forward to in the future is actually a world where kids don't need accommodations as much as they do today. Uh, I'm not sure that it will ever go away. But in general, I would love to see a world where we don't create education for the average student and then ask everyone else to kind of mold themselves around it and figure out what are the supports they need in place to get there. I dream of a world where we start from how can we make this accessible to every single student? And then I think even the supports that we provide for students for example, with ADHD, that honestly helps everyone thrive. So that's what I'm most looking forward to is just seeing this type of mentality become more common and embedded in the educational space. And one thing we're thinking about for the future is how to make coaching more accessible to all families. So because of the nature of the work that we're doing and the large amount of time and the one-on-one nature of coaching, I do acknowledge that that comes at a price point that is inaccessible to some families. Um, It's not acceptable to me to just say, well, that's just how 
things are, um, to me, that is feeding into the status quo. So one thing that my team and I discuss a lot is how can we build in opportunities to get this into the hands of more families without always having to go through the one-on-one coaching services that we offer. So in the past, we have volunteered with local schools or we've provided sponsorships for some families. And I'm happy with how those things have gone, but they feel a little bit too small scale for what I envision. I really want to think and dream bigger about how to actually get this type of programming in schools. So we're actually speaking with a few schools right now about how they can incorporate executive functioning teaching into their curriculum, because then that removes a barrier. You don't even have to necessarily find or talk to my company or anyone else who does academic coaching. If kids can go to their local public schools and get access to these tools, that's going to be such a powerful way to get help. We've also um, explored creating some groups and other ways that students can work with us beyond just a one-on-one setting. And I think any responsible business has to think that way about how, how can, if we, if we have this thing that we're saying is so transformational and so helpful, I also can't gatekeep it. Absolutely. And I think the work that you all do at Empower and through your leadership, Caroline, we will get there. And it is this intention that you started with that helps to drive that movement forward. So powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, We will come to our last question. This conversation has given me like my mind is flowing so much, so much to think about. So powerful. I cannot wait listeners as you're listening to this. I, you know, hope you have access to notes and all the things so that you can save because there's so many powerful takeaways here. Caroline, can you share with us? We always ask at the end. So we're, we actually are switching up the question. We always used to ask, what are the top three attributes of leaders? But we wanted to get to a space where our leaders who come on the show can really share their top three attributes because we think it just contributes so much to the conversation. And we want to thank you for your leadership. So what are the top three attributes that make you a successful leader? I think I am curious. I love to learn as we've talked about. That's essential. I love that. I love that. Obsessed. (laughs) I think I'm compassionate. I think working as closely with people as I do requires uh, that empathy and being willing to put myself in, in other people's perspectives. And finally, I think what has helped me, you know, running a business is really hard. And so I have to have a touchstone, something that I can go back to again and again to remind me why I'm doing this on the days that it's tough because it would be really easy to give up sometimes and just go back to, to being on a W2. Um, but what keeps me going is my values. So I think having that as a compass has really made the difference for me. So my three business values are empowerment, peace, and thoughtfulness. And whenever I'm faced with a tough decision, I can go back to those. So if I'm not sure what to do, I can think, what is going to empower me and 
my team and my clients, which option is going to bring all of us the most peace. And like, that's sometimes the tricky part is making sure that it's not my peace at the expense of my clients or vice versa. Um, what option is going to bring, bring us that for all of us. And then thoughtfulness as well. What is going to be the most thoughtful option? Have I considered everything I need to consider in this decision? And once I do that, the, I'm not saying it's always easy, but it makes the decision easier. And I also love to teach that to, to my students. Um, I had a situation recently where one of my students was having a hard time deciding what classes they wanted to take next year. If they wanted to take the most challenging IB classes offered, or if they wanted to maybe like take a few less rigorous courses so that they had more time for their volunteer work and their athletics, that's really important to them. And so we use that same type of framework. Like, what are your educational values? And after we talked through that, it really helped quiet the noise of other people's expectations of them so they could really tune into what they want to do. And so I think, you know, we're talking about what characteristics make for a good leader and what helped me to be a good leader. But I think honestly, those are also characteristics and can help you um, in whatever role you're in to make great decisions. Absolutely. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have to say thank you for your partnership. It has been absolutely transformational for our family personally. I hope listeners who are tuning in, who have the opportunity to access the type of resources that you provide at Empower will definitely reach out to you because it makes a huge difference and it brings about to your second value so much peace for our family and, and and as a result peace in our business that we you know one of our biggest goals is to have calm uh in the company and it, it just helps so much with that so as always we would like to say thank you for your leadership and thank you for joining us today Yes, thank you so much, Caroline. And for our listeners, if you are interested in connecting with Caroline, you can find her website at www.empoweracademiccoaching.com, where you will also find an academic skills quiz that can help you identify whether your child would benefit from some outside support on academics. You can also find Caroline on Instagram at empoweracademic and on LinkedIn. And we will include all of that information and those links in our show notes. Thank you both. It was a great conversation and I really appreciate the space that you provided for it and the great questions. Thank you for spending time with us today. For any resources referenced during today's episode, you can find that information in our show notes at cocreatework.com slash podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram at cocreatework. If you have any questions about this episode or transforming the future of work, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at cocreatework.com. And if you'd like a little weekly love in your inbox, subscribe to our mailing list and get our guide to 40 powerful questions to accelerate your growth. The link is in the show notes. Finally, we want more leaders like you joining us each week. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Co-Create Work podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.